I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, you've heard it too many times, the attack ads that frame the other party as a danger to life as we know it. Well, we know uh, the new polling shows the uh, consequences of that rhetoric. Uh, Americans are so motivated by fear and frustration, anger against the other party rather than for what they actually want. Uh, and what they really want is really interesting. Uh, we always hear things about the size and scope of government by the party that is out of power. <laughs> And amazingly, that tends to flip when it's in power. Uh, and someone who's taken a deep look at that is our friend uh, J.D. Tuchilli, uh, who joins us. Of course, uh, J.D. is the former managing editor at Reason.com. He's a current contributing editor there at Reason. And uh, J.D., in, in your piece, you you talked about the fact that uh, that most Americans oppose big government unless the party that they like is in power. And then it's like, yeah, spend what you want. I trust you. That's exactly right. I mean, these numbers are remarkable. If you just look at raw numbers, uh, the majority support for a smaller government that does less has been consistent for really decades now. Anywhere from about 52 to 60 percent of the population says that they want a smaller government that uh, engages less with people's lives. But when you break it down, the share of who it is who's saying that changes depending upon who holds the the White House. If there's a Republican president, Republicans suddenly stop, um, you know, you know, lose their taste for a smaller, less involved government. If there's a Democrat in the White House, Democrats lose their taste for a small, less involved government. The only people who are consistent, who consistently say they want a smaller, less involved government, are independents, those who don't have a tribal affiliation with either Republicans or Democrats. And, of course, this doesn't really work. You can't just have a smaller government when the other guy is in power. That's not the way a democracy functions. Yeah, I, I always say it's the great unifier for those out of power. <laughs> it's that the smaller, the smaller less is, uh, is always better when you're, uh, when you're in the minority. And uh, as you've looked at this and, and uh, really dug into those numbers, J.D., uh, is this one more scenario? Uh, I often refer to it as the Dennis Rodman uh, syndrome that everybody hates Dennis Rodman unless he's your Dennis Rodman uh, and can get you uh, you know 19 points and uh, 19 rebounds a game. Yeah, it kind of is. It's really wild. I mean, it's uh, people um, aren't really driven, as it turns out, by love of their side. Uh, when they look at when they research what Republicans think about other Republicans or what Democrats think about other Democrats, um, they're no more bonded to each other than they were in the past, maybe even less so. Mm. But what drives them is something that's called negative partisanship. That is, they really hate the other team. 
so much so that, you know, as you pointed out earlier, they say that, um, you know, the other side is a threat to democracy. They're a threat to the function of the United States. They're evil. They're bad. Um, negative partisanship. They were driven by loathing, not by mutual support for their side or policies or anything other, really, than tribal animus. Mm. And that's really unhealthy. Um, it's driven them to the point where not only is their support for a smaller, less intrusive government really dependent upon that just applying to the other team, but there's also kind of this illiberal growth, this, this creeping support for the idea that the president, when their own president is in power, ought to be unconstrained by either Congress or the courts. Support for that hasn't yet hit the majority support that really loathing of the other side has, mm. but it's been creeping up. It's a, it's a large minority of both Republicans and Democrats who think that the president, when it's their president, not the other party's president, when it's their president, ought to be able to do whatever that president wants to do without having to worry about the law, be able to play outside the rules. People are really losing faith in the idea that we have a liberal democracy and, you know, liberal small L, the idea that it's a limited government where you share power, where inevitably you lose elections and hope to win elections later on. People are kind of going for that permanent win, which is not something that our system is supposed to offer. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah, and that uh, that's so important uh, that we we start reframing it a little bit that way. Is there are there any cracks in uh, uh, in the data or in the trend uh, that could cause this to to shift to turn around uh, to get back towards a, a little different idea that the you know the president should be able shouldn't be able to do it all by uh, the sweep of a pen, uh, but that Congress has to do its job uh, and that uh, together we might actually get to some better policy solutions. Well, so far, the support for you know, an all-powerful, fearless leader, a president that's unconstrained, is, is still minority. It's a significant minority, but it's not yet a majority, and that's a good thing. Um, and a lot of it seems to be based on this perception that um, that their side is losing, and it doesn't matter which side you ask. Um, Republicans and Democrats alike think that they're on the on you know, getting the short end of the stick. Obviously, somebody has to be winning, right? So it's perceptions that we've hit the zero-sum game in politics. So if you're saying, I mean, if you're looking for a, a glimmer of hope, it's that, um, I, I mean, I don't know that it's much of a glimmer, but a lot of this is based on, on um, a wrong perception that, uh, that everybody is losing, that the system isn't working at all for them. Um, and that so long as that perception remains, I don't know that there's a lot of hope. But if people come to realize that it's a back and forth, and also that maybe if you stopped using the government as a weapon against the other side so that they perceive that, that they can't afford to lose, that maybe we can kind of settle down, get the tensions down a little bit, get back to something that's approaching a tolerable normality across the board. But beyond that, I don't know that there's a lot of good news to be found in these figures. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, and uh, I love the way you framed this, J.D., that uh, you know this idea of a zero-sum game, 
Uh, and I think part of that uh, industrial complex that tends to, tends to foment all of this uh, has really created a, a grievance mentality. Uh, you alluded to that in terms of people feeling like they're losing or that if they're not in power, then you know they've got this long list of grievances uh, and it's not fair and it's not right and we shouldn't accept it and, and all of those kinds of things. Uh, anything else you're seeing in there in terms of uh, how do we get back to that reality <laughs> and uh, the fact that this is a distortion? Well, I mean, I, I'd love to be able to offer a recipe for how you undo all this. I, mean, I could point out that you know, you're absolutely right. Grievance politics dominates right now. Um, everybody thinks that they're getting the raw end, you know, the short end of the stick. Um, the illiberalism is very apparent if you look at the environmentalist left or the national conservative right, where both sides have kind of said, you know what, uh, this is all too important to be entrusted to elections and losing again. We've got to make sure that it's handed over to the right people just to manage for the future. Um, I don't see a lot of backing away from that, at least as of yet. There's still this indulgence in grievance politics. And if you look at the headlines, you look at the way the uh, the election is covered. I mean, it's always the most important election ever, isn't it? Right. I mean, election after election, <laughs> they're all the most important election we've ever had. Um, and I think people kind of believe that, even though they believed it last time and the time before that, too. And it can't possibly be true. If we could back off of that, if we could kind of normalize um, our coverage of elections, our reactions to other people, we could kind of lower those tensions. But I don't know if there's a clear <laughs> recipe for doing that. It would be great if there was because I, I would promote that immediately. But um, I don't see it immediately. I don't see it there. Yeah, and I do think part of it is uh, for all of us to remember that uh, while we often talk about that first Tuesday of November and the most important election of our time, uh, it's the first Wednesday uh, when the sun comes up and everybody goes to work and makes a difference in their community and, and uh, does good things. That's uh, that's the most important day uh, for us all to move forward to. J.D. Tuchilli, always appreciate your perspective. Former managing editor at Reason.com, current contributing editor. Uh, you can check out all of his pieces at Reason.com. J.D., thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Again, that's uh, J.D. Tuchilli. Love his perspective there uh, as it relates to where we are. And uh, we will step aside for some bottom of the hour news. Coming up next, this is a tight midterm season. And looking at the races, we're going to go behind the latest polls. Stick around. We'll check into that coming up next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.